The following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. Welcome back, everybody, to another exciting episode of Stories from the Sidelines. I'm Coach Larry, and we're riding solo again here um, at a last-minute cancellation. Uh, we'll have the Colosimos, uh, Maria and Gianna, and Lola Tank Norris. We'll have them on a uh, future episode. Um so I am here. Matt will be back with us. Matt Keogh will be back with us next week as well. We'll be locked, loaded, ready to go. Hopefully some more guests coming on. Uh, potentially we have the Alderman brothers on. Um, so that would be that would be awesome to get those two on. Um, haven't seen Connor in quite a bit. So that would be uh, be fun to get him on the episode um, actually it's his birthday today. So a little shout out to, uh, Connor Alderman on his birthday. Hopefully we can get them on in a few weeks time, but not a bad day for a solo episode. A lot going on this week in the sports world. And I'm coming in hot with the world cup and it has been an exciting World Cup. Like we talked a little bit about this last week, or I talked a little bit about this last week. It has been a super exciting World Cup. I, I, I love the World Cup. It comes once every four years. I love it. Again, second consecutive World Cup. I am bummed that um, the Italians did not qualify, but that's it is what it is. Um, the U.S. still did qualify. They made it to the knockout stage. They had their chances. They really did. They had a tough draw in the knockout stage against Netherlands. Um, they had their opportunities to win that game. They end up losing 3-1. to one. Um, Had a very good showing. But it's one of those games Netherlands ranked number 8 in the world coming in. If the U.S. wanted to beat them, they had to capitalize on mistakes that Netherlands made. Early, I think it was the third or fourth minute, um, Pulisic got in behind the defense basically on a breakaway, one-on-one with the goaltender, and the goaltender made a big save, but Pulisic needs to bury that. You need, on a, on a team that has been struggling to score, and a team that is a big underdog coming into that game, getting a gift like that one-on-one with the goaltender, and you cannot bury that shot, you're not going to win. I mean, they make if they bury that shot early on, I think it was the third or fourth, maybe fifth minute, three minutes in, 
that totally changes the complexity of that game. U.S. can either stay aggressive, which they were really the aggressor almost that entire game. They they really, uh, opening half, played very, very aggressive and had a good standing. But if they can score that, they can either keep the aggressiveness up, they can get back and play more of their defensive game, but wasn't meant to be. Netherlands comes back and scores, I think it was the ninth minute of the game. Again, it was a mistake by the U.S. It was just a great, um, the U.S. was actually on the attack, got a decent shot, actually could have could have had a, an, another chance there. But on the counterattack, Netherlands came down and just put on a pure clinic of how to do a counter-strike attack. I mean, just caught the U.S. a little bit flat-footed, sent a nice cross through the box, and just buried in the back of the net. It was just picture-perfect. And again, it wasn't a huge mistake by the U.S. They did get caught a little flat-footed, didn't slow the ball down coming through the midfield. Wasn't a huge, huge mistake, but on a team like the Netherlands, when they've got the talent, they've got the balance, you can't make even the slightest mistakes, and it ended up in the back of the net. Um, It was a great job in transition, and it was just to pay with a big, big goal. It was in the 10th minute, and again, just one of those teams where the U.S. made a mistake, even a slight one. Netherlands puts it in the back of the net. This one, the second one, was just backbreaking. Extra minute, extra time. It was in the 46th minute. There was only a minute added in the first half of play. First half went rather smoothly. They did have the goal stoppage time. And Blind... Back of the net, again, I thought the U.S. just got a little, it almost looked like they were already in the locker room. Almost looked like they were just, all right, the whistle's going to blow, the whistle's going to blow, the whistle's going to blow. Again, get caught flat-footed, and Blind puts it in the back of the net. Now, talk about a backbreaker. Talk about changing the complexity of a game. Talk about just getting momentum. You're up 2 nothing. The U.S. down to nothing going into half, going into the locker room compared to being down only one is absolutely huge, especially in a soccer game, especially in a game where, again, your team is struggling to score. You needed to go into the, you needed to go into that locker room, at least hide, but you needed to go into the locker room, down only one, just literally seconds on the clock left. Couldn't have been more than maybe 15, 20 seconds on the clock left. And in the back of the net, you've got to be better than that. You cannot give up a goal like that again off of a simple mistake. Netherlands isn't going to miss. 2 nothing. Looked like it was going to stay that way for a while. In the 76th minute, though, 
the U.S., they kept pressing, they kept pressing, had some corners. This one coming a little bit off of a set piece. Wright's able to put it in the back of the net on the 76th minute. And again, it was not the prettiest goal in the world. Just kind of after the after the corner kick, just kind of flung towards the net. Wright is able to get a foot on it. Um, and it gets by the goaltender in the corner. A bit of a fluky goal, but hey, when you're pressing, when you're attacking, sometimes you get it. Two to one, new blood, new game, let's go. Didn't last for very long, about four or five minutes later. In fact, at the 81st minute, Dumfries is able to finish it off. Again, at that point, the U.S. attacking, attacking, attacking. It puts some um, more of their attackers on there with their substitutes. It was eventually going to happen, but very similar to the first goal uh, by DePay, very similar where it was a nice pass towards the middle of the 18, towards the PK line, and just no chance, just buried, left no doubt. And from there on, the last 9 to 10 minutes of that game was just, it was it was just, that is what it is. I mean, the U.S., Again, it, it they played a very strong showing, but that game was theirs. They had another one earlier in the game. I can't remember who it was. In fact, I believe it was Wright who earlier in that uh, after in that sequence before he scored had a, uh, a goal that should have went in the back of the net. Goaltender made a big save. There were a couple other big chances in that game for the U.S. to get their goals. And just couldn't, they just, we, we knew coming into this World Cup that offense was going to be a struggle for them. They, I mean, they just couldn't get the job done. I mean, you'd you'd come into their, uh, it was a 1-1 tie, or 1-1 tie against Wales, 0-0 against England, one nothing against Iran so you're coming the first 3 games you're only scoring you only scored 2 goals in 4 games in the World Cup total counting the knockout you only scored 3 goals that's not going to get you very far averaging less than a goal a game and it came back to bite them now the good news is the US is um in fact they were the youngest team in the knockout stage might have even been the youngest team average age going into the World Cup so their future does look bright if they can keep that team together, maybe add a few pieces, add some more younger talent. Maybe they went a little too young. Maybe they left some veteran players off of that roster that could have helped them, especially in that knockout stage. But who knows? was still a very, very good showing for the U.S. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, I feel like that in the football world, that's how the U.S. is measured. Hey, we got to the knockout stage. Everything after this is gravy. If we can win a game, that's awesome. If not, in fact, I think this was their first, uh, it would have been their first win, I think, in almost 20 years since they won a knockout stage um, game. Twenty, uh, I think it would have been almost 20 years, 22 years. Since they beat, um, they won uh, in the knockout stage, but just couldn't get the job done. Um, They would have been going on to, I forget who they would have gone on to face if they believe it would have been um, 
would have been in France. No, France is playing England. Uh, Argentina, maybe. I can't remember who they would have gone on to play, but it's not meant to be. They're going home. Again, it's it's a shame, but let's... I feel like we're saying this at the end of every World Cup for the United States. They're just... Hopefully one day they just get to the level of the European teams. Maybe they can get to the level of the Brazils, the Argentinas, uh, Germany, who had a dismal World Cup performance, didn't even make the knockout stage. Um, it was just very shocking. Like the Germans, again, they had a weaker team, didn't think that they were going to do much in the World Cup, but figured they were at least um, going to make the knockout stage this year. Just a very, very, very subpar showing. Um, and until the U.S. can really, they're, they're not at that level. Who knows if they ever will get to that level? I hope. Um, it'd be great to see. But just, it does seem like, especially on this team, more and more of their players on their roster are playing overseas, are playing, um, I th- everybody's playing at least MLS, but a lot of their players are coming from Chelsea, coming from English Premier Leagues, coming from uh, Serie A. So they're they're getting the international experience, and I think that's what they're going to need going forward, getting more and more and more of that uh, European-style soccer in the European leagues so that they can bring that experience into that international play. Um, with the coaching, not... Hmm. I feel like that's been a that's been a little bit of a uh, sore spot with the coaching this year. It's uh, it's been a little bit of a talk of uh, for Greg Berhalter. Hasn't he seemed to get under a lot of fire already? Kind of seemed to be under the hot seat. Um, doesn't seem to. He he seems to be taking some hot seats on some of the questionable decisions he made. Um, seemed to have gone with a bit of a false nine on that game. Um, just some of the tactics. Uh, sometimes doesn't have that sense of urgency. But um, it almost wonders, is he the right guy to get them to the next level? Was he the right guy? to get them did they kind of underperform especially offensively because of some of the roster choices because some of the starting lineups because some of the formations that he ran um so it's going to be interesting to see if they do bring him back um and again it's it's a little different, especially in the international soccer world, where it's, you know, in the football, baseball, basketball, hockey, if you're firing a coach after a disappointing year, or if your team has a disappointing year, you're back on the ice, back on the court, back playing in, you know, the start of the season happens, what, three, four months, five months later. 
Um, you know, in the international game, these guys, they don't get enough, you know, qualifying probably won't even, doesn't even start for another almost two years. So it's a little different um, on when you make a coaching change. Obviously, I mean, you see, you'll see NFL guys get fired day after the season. You'll usually see within the next two, three, four weeks, they've got their coach set up so that they can start with the draft. They can start with the combines. They can start getting guys uh, signing free agency. Here, the U.S. and international clubs, international teams, you can have a little bit more um, time to make that decision. Again, wasn't disappointed with this with uh, Burhalter's decisions. Wasn't didn't think he did a horrible job. Questioned a little bit of him, but you know it is what it is. Um, thought maybe um, uh, Reina Gio Reina could have played a little bit more. Um, thought maybe they could have gone a little bit more of an offensive minded formation at times, especially in uh, the Iran game where they needed to come out and even in the Wales game, just needed to come out and really make a statement, had chances to make a statement in those games and couldn't. The England game, I thought they made a, they played a great defensive game. In fact, if they play that same defensive game and um, mistake-free soccer, mistake-free football, they might have been able to sneak out a win against the Netherlands. But when you play that defensive style against a much better team like the Netherlands, if you make a mistake, if it rounds up in the back of the net, you're in trouble, and it showed in that game. It showed from the very beginning you needed to bury your chances. You didn't. You needed to play mistake-free on defense. You didn't. I think I said this last week. I thought if I thought their best chance to win this game was to keep it 0-0, maybe 1-1 and win it in PKs. I think if you make that you if if you score that Pulisic goal in the beginning, I think you could have I think you had the chance if things play out the way they play out. It could have been maybe a a one one game, maybe a two two game. I think you play that way. Even if you get out of that with a one one tie at half, you play tighter defensively. It could have gone PKs. They had their chance, and we'll see them hopefully in four more years. Hopefully with the Italians as well. I still think Brazil is just too tough. <laughs> I really think Brazil is just watching them. I got a chance to watch their uh, their game against uh, South Korea. Their games in their even in their group stage. Man, they are just good. Even in even in their knockout stage game, it was it was one of those games. I think I think they ended up winning four to one, but. Or maybe it was four nothing. I, 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 they beat them pretty soundly. But it was one of those games where, all right, we're up big. Let's just cruise. Like if you compare it into the hockey or into the football world, it would be like, all right, we're up thirty-five nothing at halftime. 
Let's start. Let's make our subs. Let's just, hey, don't get anybody injured. Don't just, just, let's put it to bed. That's it. Let's just get it to the next game. We've got bigger and better things. And they just look good. They are going to be a tough, tough out for anybody. They look just solid from top to bottom. Did have a bit of an easier draw, but they still just look good. All right, I know everybody's saying probably enough soccer. Let's get to some American football. The Bills back on top, not only of the division, but of the AFC. Everything that needed to go perfect for this week and especially this weekend went perfect. Buffalo, of course, um, playing a Thursday, uh, back their second Thursday uh, night game, coming off of the big Thanksgiving. And it worked out perfectly. I think they're coming off the big Thanksgiving win against Detroit. They went to New England, and it was almost like you talked about with with, um, Brazil in their knockout stage game. It was just clinical. Buffalo ran the ball. Buffalo threw the ball enough with Allen. Buffalo was patient. Hey, we don't need the big 60, 70, 80-yard shots downfield. We don't need to. Let's just, we're banged up a little bit on the offensive line. With uh, Dawkins out, we're banged up a little bit. A little bit, excuse me, on the defensive line with uh, Miller out. We did get some players back. Rousseau is back. Morris, Miss Mitch Morris came back in the center. Let's hey, we got banged up with Quessenberry. Who man, he was. I know he got beat. I know he got burnt, especially um, um, on the sack and sack fumble of Allen. But you know what? Early on, I think the second play, third play, offensive play, he you could tell he was struggling with that ankle. He's he stuck it out as much as he can. So, but Buffalo just put on a clinic. And I'm sorry, New England fans should be ashamed of their team because this third quarter, the fourth quarter, they looked like they would rather be anywhere else but playing the Buffalo Bills. I mean, they just looked, they just looked beat. Coaches, players, they looked like they would have rather been like, listen, we let's play against the Buffalo Sabres. Like, put us on a hockey field, put us on a, they, would, they didn't even want to play the sport. They just looked like they did not care. Coach, can we call the game? Come on, ref, let's, let's move this game forward. Let's go. No, they just, they didn't care. They didn't care. They are, again, they're six and six now. Um, they needed that win, and they needed that win badly. They still have to play Buffalo again week eighteen, which, if New England gets a few more wins, maybe they are making a playoff push. But they just looked like a team that they would rather be anywhere else except on the field in front of their home crowd. They looked just beat. And what are they doing with their coaching staff? Why? 
I, I still don't understand why they don't have an offensive coordinator. Why do you have Matt Patricia, a defensive-minded guy, calling your plays offensively? Why do you, what does Joe Judge even do for that team? He's not calling, I don't think he's calling the defensive plays. I don't, he's not calling the offensive plays, or maybe he's, maybe him and Pat, uh, Matt Patricia are co-calling the, the offensive plays. They just look so disorganized. Um, I, I, again, and it's Richard Sherman even in, you mentioned it a little bit um, that Bilicek is just is I've said it before he's overrated he's an overrated coach he was a coach who had the greatest and as much as I hate to say it and give Tom Brady the, that kind of credit Tom Brady is the GOAT and he was the GOAT. He he was in his prime. Bill Belichick had the greatest quarterback of all time, the GOAT, for 20 years. And won five Super Bowls because of him. Mac Jones is not a horrible quarterback. Matt Jones is not Nathan Peterman. Matt Jones is... I'll, say an above average quarterback at the very least he's an average quarterback he's not a scrub and Belichick is doing nothing with this kid last year they were able to Mac Jones got hot and played really well they were able to win a few more games than I think a lot of people myself included thought they would they got into the playoffs, and they got rolled by Buffalo. This year, I think with whatever the hell they are doing with their offense and their offensive coordinator, they are ruining this kid. I don't think Mac Jones is going to be the next Josh Allen, but you know what? He could be a very, very capable quarterback in this league. I think when they lost um, McDaniels, they needed to go out and get a good coordinator who could uh, keep this kid, coach this kid up, who had a pretty good, I'll be honest, had a better season than I thought he was going to have in his rookie year. And he has regressed big time. And I don't blame him for, I know the big thing is he, he got fiery. He said, what the bleep are we doing? Let's throw the leaping ball long and he's right all they were doing was just dink dunk five yards five yards halfback screen little cross over the middle let the kid throw let the kid throw especially when you're down in a game I don't blame him for getting frustrated and throwing a little bit of a tantrum and having that fire you want to see that out of it because this coaching staff, and yes, this includes the almighty Belichick, might be one of the most dysfunctional staffs in all of football this year. They are just, it really goes to show what a coaching staff can do. I don't think the Patriots should be as bad as a 6-6 six and six team. There's no reason the Patriots aren't 
better than the Jets. They, I don't think, came into the season with any sort of plan on offense. I think Belichick came into the season almost thinking that he still had Tom Brady at offense and will be fine. We can just go out there and whatever, let me focus on the defense. You don't have Tom Brady anymore. And you have done nothing to help this young kid who had a pretty promising rookie career. And I am laughing hysterically watching them play football. And who knows if they maybe only get one or two more wins this year. And guess what? It's going to be unless he makes Belichick make some big decisions, big changes next year. It's going to be the exact same next year. And I hate to say it, Patriots fans, I don't see you make, I don't hate to say it, I love to say it. I don't think the Patriots are going to be relevant ever again with Belichick as their coach. They might make the playoffs maybe next year. Who knows, maybe they get hot and sneak into the playoffs this year. But it's going to be a one and done, just like everything. They are not going to make another run towards a Super Bowl and get anywhere competitive towards the Super Bowl until he retires and until that organization makes drastic changes. Period. I think right now Belichick is a, he's reverted to a middle-of-the-road, below-middle-of-the-road coach. Yeah, I said it. The game is passed. I don't know if the game's passed him by. I don't know if he's too stubborn to adapt. I don't know if before he didn't have to adapt because when you have the greatest quarterback to play the game, and man, I hate giving that man credit. It it can um, it can make up for a lot of flaws in your game and make you look very good. And I think that, especially the last ten years, Brady made Belichick look like a genius. And when you don't have that player anymore that is consistently making you look like a genius, you can look flawed very quickly. He looked flawed his first year, and everybody get well, he doesn't have the quarterback. Well, he tried with Cam last year. Well, he's got a rookie. Look what he did with a rookie. Look at an amazing idiot. This year, what was your plan? You know you lost Josh McDaniels. What was your plan to replace him? A defensive guy? Give me a break. They look terrible. And I loving I am loving every minute of it. Love it. I will love it when they miss the playoffs again this year. I'll love it if they miss the playoffs again next year and give up on Mac Jones because they've absolutely ruined him. And again, I don't think he's going to be the next Patrick Mahomes, next Josh Allen, but I think the kid could be a very serviceable quarterback. I think he could be better than Kirk Cousins, who is leading his team to 10-2. and two. I think the Vikings are now. I think this guy could be a very capable um, quarterback who is an, uh, could end up being an above-average quarterback in this league. And I think he's going to get ruined. All right, that's my Patriots rant. Man, I had fun doing that. I, I, man, I love the fact that they are just 
terrible, terrible this year. But like I said, the Bills are back on the top of the AFC. And it's going to be a fun finish as Cincinnati helped us out big time by beating the Chiefs. Didn't really need a Miami loss, but it was very appreciative as the as the San Francisco 49ers took care of the Dolphins. Um, and that game got out of hand late, but it was, and it didn't look like it was going to be pretty. I think, um, who was it? Uh, Jimmy G went out first drive. I think it was the first drive. Um, might have been the second drive, but he went out very, very early in that game. And Brock Purdy, Brock Purdy, Miami, you got beat by Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant, the last pick of the draft. Brock Purdy, give that man credit. Um, he just, he he did what he needed to do. I mean, you're playing a quote-unquote Miami defense. Oh, this defense is great. This defense is going to give him fits. This Tua's going to torch him. Tua's going to go deep. And he went deep, I think, the first play of the game, uh, 75 yards for the touchdown, first, second, third play of the game, whatever, early on, and did very little afterwards. Two interceptions, I think maybe a fumble, a fumble because they ran it back. Just, man. Uh, Tua just looked rough. And again, we all have rough games. Josh Allen had a few rough games this year. He's looking to bounce back, or and I think has bounced back. Last game he did just did what he needed to do. I loved the way he played against the Patriots. He went back to being patient, took a few deep shots, but just went back to being patient, patient, patient. And it was... Pitcher perfect. So big win for the Niners against the Dolphins. Again, didn't really need it because the Bills do. They would have controlled their own destiny because they do play the Dolphins again in two weeks um, time. So they would have been able to catch them anyways. uh, The big win with Cincinnati beating Kansas City. Joe Burrow just, I think now after three straight wins, It's fair to say that Joe Burrow has Kansas City's number. And man, would that be fun if Buffalo was able to hold on to the one seed and Cincinnati has to go to Kansas City and knock them off. Um, As Cincinnati would have the three seed. Cincinnati might even be able to get the two seed. Kansas City with the three seed, and and Cincinnati can knock them off in the playoffs again. But three wins in a row, there's just something about Cincinnati, the way they beat them, they just, they have that team's number. Um, And, man, I thought when Burrow, I think it was, uh, was it early fourth quarter or mid-fourth quarter? I think it was fourth quarter when, when Boyd dropped that sure fire touchdown. It was a nice little lob into the corner, just hit his face mask that I thought right there that the game was going to be over. I thought Kansas city was going to just go down, win the game. Just I, I thought it was over. 
Cincinnati had to settle for a field goal, but Cincinnati just played their game. The big strip on um, Travis Kelsey. Cincinnati played phenomenal. And again, it was one of those games where Cincinnati knew they had to force them into mistakes. Cincinnati capitalized on their mistakes. Cincinnati, I mean, that drop by uh, Boyd, Tyler Boyd, really could have sunk them. That could have been the... That could have been like the U.S. missing that political, um, political. So it just, they were able to rebound it. Kansas or Cincinnati is legit. Well, I don't know if Cincinnati is legit. They've been playing much better later. Is Cincinnati really legit, legit? Or is Cincinnati just a team that has Kansas City's number? We'll find out, especially week 17, which could ultimately come down to a battle for the top seed. If Cincinnati doesn't lose the rest of the way out, that game could very easily come down to the top seed um, or at least the second seed for Cincinnati. Um, Baltimore squeaked out a game, um, but with Lamar Jackson being out that week, eight, that week's uh, week 18 game, week 17 game, against uh, Cincinnati could be huge. Let's talk about the Bills, their chances right now. Let's Before that Cincinnati game, let's look at their next three opponents. Of course, they've got this Sunday against the Jets. I'm not saying it should be an easy win because I said that last time against the Jets, and we know what happened. But... Hopefully they will get the win. They should get the win against the Jets that week. And then you've got the big one against Miami. If they can win these next two weeks, these next two weeks, um, Sunday against the Jets at home. And can I tell you on a little bit, maybe we'll make this coming in hot segment, part of the coming in hot segment. I am so upset that the Miami Buffalo game has been moved to Saturday and for purely selfish reasons, because I, I coach track and field at Kenmore East, and we have the late shift game, uh, track meet, so I will be on a bus. When that game starts, I will be on a bus heading back from Houghton College with my track team. So I'm going to have to... Um, stream that game on my phone or on my tablet or something um, on the bus ride back home, uh, back to Kenmore East, because that game got moved from Sunday to Saturday night, and I am not happy about it, purely for a selfish reason. But that's going to be a fantastic game. Uh, Miami and Buffalo, again, I think Buffalo, if wins that, if they win those two games, not overlooking the Bears because that could be a big trap game, quote-unquote trap game. Not sure if I believe in the trap games, but you still got to get through Chicago, and then that would set up a big must-win game against Cincinnati. And for the Bills, that I think is going to be the game that determines if they get the number one seed or not. Um, it would set everything up because I don't see... I don't see Kansas City losing again. 
you look at the rest of their schedule, I just, I don't see them losing. I know they have um, two to Denver. They've got one to uh, Las Vegas. The only one that I could possibly see them lose would be the game against uh, Seattle. That would be, um, that could be maybe the only possible one. I know this week they've got the Broncos coming up. Um, They are at Denver. Then they've got uh, at the Texans, that should be a cakewalk. Um, Home against Seattle. Maybe, maybe, um, so maybe they can get, maybe they can get a loss there. Uh, if, you know, Gino has a really good day, he's had a really good season. Denver, if Russell Wilson is ever, ever, ever going to have a good game in a Broncos uniform, I hope he has it next week. Um, against the Chiefs because the Broncos' defense is good. I think I, I think there was a stat where even if Denver averaged 18 points, 19 points a game, they'd be in the playoffs right now. That's how abysmal their offense has been, and that's how um, that's how good their defense has been. I mean, it's just, uh, I mean, look at some of their games for the Broncos. It's been horrible. Um, 17 to 16. They were able to get a 16-9 win against the Texans. 11 to 10. 11 to 10. 11 to 10. That's horrible. They won over the Niners. That was the, um, I believe that's when the Niners made the Jimmy G switch, or maybe it was the following week. Um, so in the first three games, 16, 16, 11, they actually had a pretty good output against the Raiders, losing though 32 to 23. But even looking in the first three games, their defense, they gave up 17, they lost. Gave up 16, still only one possession game. Gave up a 10 and barely lost or almost lost. Um, then after that, 12 to 9, lost to the Colts. 19 to 16, lost to the Chargers. 16 to 9, lost to the Jets. Were able to beat the Jaguars 21 17 somehow. Held the Titans to 17 and still lost 17 to 10. Held the Raiders to 22 and still lost 22 16. 23 to 10 to the Panthers and you hold the Ravens to 10 and you lose 10 to 9. If the Broncos if Russell Wilson can somehow just have a good game. Again, this is like me saying if I can somehow grow hair. I, I they're not going to they're not going to win. I think the Chiefs' chance really only of of getting a loss would be that uh, that Week 16 game against 
the Seahawks at home. And again, uh, the Chiefs are going to be favored coming into that game, I'm sure. Seahawks, maybe, maybe, hopefully, to give Buffalo a little bit more breathing room. But Buffalo, let's be honest, they're going to have to run the table, and they very easily could. Very easily could. I think you can win against the Jets at home. You can win against the Dolphins at home. Um, At that point, you can, uh, you know, you'd have to go to Soldier Field. You can beat, you, you sure could beat and should beat and better beat the Bears. Then you go to Cincinnati. Just that's going to be the game of the week that you're talking. That's a Kansas City type game. And then at that point, whatever, you got the, the let's call it the abysmal New England Patriots, who at that point, especially if they played like they did last week, they could already be on the bus. They'd already be heading on the bus. So it's going to be fun. A lot more games. I'm hoping the Bills get five more wins, get that by, two wins in the playoffs, a win in the Super Bowl. Let's run the table, boys. Let's go 8-0 these last eight games. Host that Lombardi, hoist that Lombardi trophy. And <laughs> at that point, I don't know what the hell will happen. I, this this city will go nuts. I think it's going to be a month, minimum of month-long party. It's going to be fun. Let's go. Let's get it done. Speaking of let's going, let's get into our hot seat questions. Of course, when it's me by myself, I have... I kind of scroll through at this point. I've gotten a lot of random questions from random people, um, friends, family, um, athletes, uh, coaches, teachers. So let's scroll through a few, answer some hot seat questions, and get on out of here. First question. World Cup winner who's gonna be your world cup winner you know what i know i said brazil i know i i i I think brazil is gonna run through it but i'm not picking them as my winner i'm gonna go with a bit of a dark not a dark horse because they are ranked number eight i'm gonna let's go netherlands let's go the dutch um i know they just beat us we should be oh well we want them to they played phenomenal. They played a great game. They did what they had to do. Let's go Dutch. Um, Holland, the Netherlands. Let's. I'm gonna. I'm gonna pick them. I guess it'd still be considered a dark horse candidate. They're not like the number one seed, but let's let's go Holland, the Netherlands. They're. I'm. I'm gonna be uh, Team Orange, the rest of the way out for the World Cup. I. Still think it's going to be Brazil, though. But I'm rooting for the Netherlands. All right. Question number two. Let's see as I kind of scroll through these questions. Um, all right. Here's a good one. If you could be a superhero, who would it be? Not superpower, because we've done superpower before. But if you could be a superhero... 
you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to, I don't know why. I'm not a big superhero fan or into that genre, genre. But I'm going to say, for whatever reason, it just kind of popped into my head as soon as I saw the question. I'm going to say Wolverine. Uh, Like the claws, he's kind of got that temperament. That temperament um, can be a bit of a, you know, just that that loner type of character. I'm going to say Wolverine. Um, That would be the superhero that if I could choose, I'd be Wolverine. All right, next question. Um. Let's see. Next question. Favorite jersey of all time. Doesn't have to be a Bills or Sabres, but doesn't have to be a Buffalo jersey. Favorite jersey of all time. And as I see this question, I'm kind of looking around the jerseys here at the podcast precinct um, that uh, Matt Johnson and his jersey collection, um, the two-point conversion, uh, the, the leader of the podcast precinct, here, you know what I? Um, <clears throat> I really, and I don't think he has this jersey up. I don't see it up yet. He might have it, but the Bengals white jerseys that they did this year, the white on white with the white helmet, the white Bengals jersey, I just thought that was so slick. I thought it just. I'm usually not a fan of the same, like the blue on blue or white on white or red on red. But, man, I just thought that looked so slick. The white Bengal jersey. I forgot which game they played it um, this year, what week. But, man, I hope they bring that back. I hope they make that their regular jersey. I do like the the, um, orange and black that they have, too. But, man, I thought their white. White uh, white on white, the white Bengal jersey, I thought it was just slick. I really liked it. So that's going to be my favorite jersey. Um, question four. Favorite, we'll, we'll kind of, as I'm looking here, we'll kind of stay in um, football mode here. Favorite um, football player of all time. I'm going to give you one of both. I'm going to give you an offensive and a defensive one. I think I said the defensive one before, but, and it's a bill, Bruce Smith. I just, in fact, I think I said this on the show before, but Bruce Smith, my first chance that I got to pick a soccer number was my first year playing indoor soccer. So I think I would have been 11 or 12 uh, playing at uh, Sportsplex in a league there. The coach, um, we, we had a few practices, one or two practices before our game and our coach, um, asked us or had us put on our sheet as we were filling them out, what number we wanted. And I put number 78, I put Bruce Smith on there. And for those of you who don't know, everybody typically in soccer, you might get numbers like, you know, into the twenties, but that's about it. That's usually about as high as numbers go. Typically, there are a lot of single-digit or or in the teens. Um, my number playing high school soccer was number 11. Um, but um, number 78 was my first ever indoor soccer number uh, for Bruce Smith. I loved him, my favorite defensive player um, ever. I also loved Lawrence Taylor, but uh, I got to give Bruce Smith 
Um, plus, LT had some off-field issues. He was a little bit of a nut. So Bruce Smith, favorite defensive player. Favorite offensive player of all time. Um, I'm kind of torn between Barry Sanders and Joe Montana, but I'm going to say Joe Montana. Um, the original Joe Cool. Uh, Joe Montana I for the 49ers. I just thought I wasn't a 49ers fan, was always a Bills fan, obviously, but just I I was just a huge Joe Montana fan as a kid. Um, just thought he was just awesome. And I know this might rub people the wrong way. I was never a huge Jim Kelly fan, thought he was a good quarterback, obviously a Hall of Famer, never a big Jim Kelly fan. Um but I, I I loved Joe Montana. I thought he was fantastic. Thought he was um, the best quarterback um, of his era, of my era as a kid. But I just Joe Montana. He was just Mister Win, Mister Super Bowl. Just he he was the greatest. Again, you had him, Jerry Rice, uh, John Taylor, um, Roger Craig. I mean, just some big time offensive players. Um, so yeah, that was my, my favorite quarterback or favorite offensive player. So we're down to one question as I'm kind of, uh, as I finished wrapping that up, kind of, uh, looking through, scrolling through some of these questions, um, kind of chuckling through a few. I like, to, I, I don't want to kind of, I, I want to still keep it where I'm, I'm just seeing these questions now. All right, here's one I don't think we've gone on to. Um, favorite uh, favorite beverage. Um, I'm going to stick with the cold weather beverage. I'm going to stick just because it's, uh, it's kind of that season. Uh, now that I said cold weather and Christmas time, it's kind of making me think of another one. So I'm going to give two. I'm going to cheat and give two here. Because of the cold weather, I'm going to say hot cocoa. Now, especially lately, I've been getting, um, making the hot cocoa at the Keurig at home, but putting in a ton of marshmallows. Putting in, I like the creamer. I like either the um, French vanilla creamer or the, uh, what is it, the, the coffee mate, the French vanilla coffee mate. Or lately, I've been putting in the caramel, uh, there's a caramel chocolate. Um, Coffee Mate Creamer, so I'll put that in there. Love that. Load it up with marshmallows and just a little bit, not a lot, a little bit of the Hershey's chocolate syrup on top. So that's that's my been my favorite cold weather drink. But that season, man, there's nothing like a glass of eggnog. I love eggnog. I can drink that. Just give me a carton full of it. Um, and I know it's not super healthy. I know it's not the most healthy thing for you, but I love eggnog. I just love it. It is fantastic. Give me a give me a few glasses of eggnog. Um, put on some. Put on a, the the fireplace. Um, pop on a movie, and I'm good to go. And I'll be a happy camper. All right, we're gonna wrap things up there. Again. Next week, Matt Keel will be back with us, um, still working on getting some guests. So if you do want to be a guest 
on our shows. Send us a message at Stories from the Sidelines on Facebook. Look for us on Facebook, on Instagram at Stories from the Sidelines. Also, if any uh, business owners out there want to get some advertising, always looking for advertisements for our podcast, send us a direct message on Facebook and we'll get back to you. And make sure, as always, you tune in next week for another exciting episode of Stories from the Sidelines. And, of course, Go Bills.